Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for your word, and we thank you that you are a, a living and risen Savior, and that you're a loving God. And Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is here in our midst. And I pray, Lord, your Spirit would be the teacher tonight. And Father, that each one of us would be prepared for what you would want to minister to our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that even though this, this chapter was written over 3,500 years ago, that it applies to every single life in this room tonight. We know that no one's here by chance, but it's all by divine appointment. We pray that your will would be done. Lord, give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Leviticus, great book. If it's your first time here, I just want to encourage you. You can get all the, the tapes are in the back. They're free. You can go on our website, but it's free. That's, thing, that's a kind of a motto here at Calvary Chapel. If the, if the gospel's free, you should be able to listen to it for free. Amen? And so I want to encourage you guys, just really start looking at Leviticus if you just got here. But let me catch up real quickly. The first ten chapters of Leviticus talk about worshiping the Lord. And it was all about the sacrificial system. And we talked about how every single one of the sacrifices points to, to Jesus. Every single one of them. And every sacrifice, as you look at that firstborn spotless lamb, we know who the lamb of God is who takes away the sins of the world. It's Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus showed up at the baptism and John the Baptist saw him? He didn't say, behold, the king of the world, though he could have. He didn't say, behold, the Messiah of the world, though it would have been appropriate. He said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And all the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to man's sinfulness, his desperate need for a Savior, for the atoning work of the Messiah, and all of it points to Jesus. And so the first ten chapters, we see a very clear picture of our Lord. Now the last couple, the, the, from chapter 11 through 15, we're going to look at the laws of purification. The difference between that which is clean and that which is unclean, or that which is acceptable to God and that which is unacceptable to God. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at clean and unclean animals. And this is mainly for diet. But we talked about how it has such an incredible uh, application for us today because the animals that they were able to eat were the ones with the divided hoofs and those that chewed their cud. And we talked about chewing the cud with the same word for what? Who remembers? Meditate, okay? And it was, so it was the way they ate and the way they walked that made the animals clean. And we talked about how God wants us to have a divided and a set-apart walk and that we would be people that would meditate on His Word. And if the animal only chewed the cud but didn't have a divided hoof, it was unacceptable. If, it was, if we only meditate on the Word but we do not live it out in our day-to-day -day life, it's not acceptable. And if, we, if it only had a divided hoof but it did not chew the cud, if it lived a moral life but did not take in the Word of God, that's what God's called us to do, then that's not acceptable as well. Then last week, when we looked at childbirth, we only looked at eight verses last week, we saw a very clear picture that all of us are born into what? Sin. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior, and that's why Jesus came. And we saw the pain and the, and the, the things that went on in childbirth, but we saw a clear application for us today as well as we looked at that being born into sin. We, like, we talked about how it should reveal our own sin and our need for redemption, how it should impact the way we raise our kids. When you realize that your, ch your children are born of a sin nature, you know, the, the world says that man is inherently good. The Bible says that man is inherently wicked. I'm thinking that the Bible's right. Amen. Well, by the way, Bible's always right, if you were wondering. But the Bible's always right, but the world says that there's good in every man, and we just need to esteem men higher, and the Bible says deny self. The world says esteem self, the Bible says deny self. Our self is wicked. 
And so we need to see it from our, as we look at our own children, realizing that they're born with the sin nature, that we need to discipline them and disciple them in the ways of the Lord. And then last week, we also looked at how it should make us view others. We should realize that shouldn't be surpri- surprised when the world acts like the world because the world is sinful. So tonight, we're going to look at leprosy. We're going to look at the, at the examination of, of lepers by the priest. And then next week, we'll be looking at the cleansing of leprosy. Now, those of you who've been coming to this church more than one week should be able to answer this question. Leprosy in the Bible is a typology of what? Sin. And the reason that it is, is because leprosy starts small. We're going to see that tonight. It starts underneath the skin. You can't even see it. And from the, from the outward appearance, it doesn't look like it's anything major, no big deal. But just like sin, even though it's out of sight, even though maybe nobody knows about it, soon it begins to spread and eventually it brings forth death. Leprosy is one of the most heinous diseases in the history of all mankind. And we'll look at that a little more in depth tonight. So again, it starts small, but it soon spreads and eventually it will destroy. You know, when you had leprosy, you'd, get, you'd begin, and it's amazing how quickly it could happen. It would begin that you would, you would notice that there was a blemish on your arm. We'll see that tonight or on some part of your body. But what really would impact you is all of a sudden you wouldn't have feeling anymore. Maybe you'd spill a cup of hot water on your foot and you wouldn't feel it. Maybe you'd bump into a door and you'd have no feeling in your knee. And all of a sudden you'd start to realize something's wrong. And leprosy not only is something that smart, starts small and grows and brings destruction, but it also deadens all of your nerves. And it's interesting that sin does the same thing. That when we sin that we break communion with God, we begin to sear over our conscience. We are no longer convicted about our sin. And that's what sin does. It separates us from the Father. And then what would happen is that your bones would begin to get soft, and then your nails would disappear from your hands, and then your your teeth, the gums would start receding away, and your teeth would start falling off, falling out. And before you knew it, your fingers and your toes and literally your nose and your body would just literally decompose while you were living in it. Incredible. Leprosy was a heavy-duty disease. And it's interesting, we're going to spend a lot of time, 59 verses, looking at, at biblical leprosy. But what's interesting to me is that biblical leprosy had no cure. We're going to look at all these guidelines for the priest in saying that someone's been cleansed of leprosy. But do you know that in the Bible, before Jesus came, in the 1,500 years from the day they give this law until Jesus comes and starts healing lepers, how many lepers do we know of in the Bible were healed during that 1,500 years? Anybody know? One. What was his name? Naaman. He was healed and God touched him and he used a prophet by the name of Elisha. And that's the only person in 1,500 years. So when Jesus comes and starts healing lepers left and right, remember that he would send them back to the priest to inspect them. And that comes from this chapter tonight, that the priests are the ones that would inspect the lepers. But for 1,500 years, there were no, they weren't inspecting, they were inspecting to say, yeah, you're a leper, but they weren't inspecting any to say, yeah, you've been cured. Because there was no cure for biblical leprosy. And let me tell you something right now, there is no cure for sin. Amen? We can be cleansed from our sin. There's no cure. How many of you guys, when you got saved, stopped sinning? Raise your hand. I, 
don't raise your hand because then you'd be lying. That's another sin, right? So that, that you're sinning. So when you are born again, now we're, the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. We're to desire to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're to hate sin and to flee from it. But we continue to sin because there is no cure from sin apart from being glorified and being in heaven with Almighty God. Amen? But we can be cleansed from our sin. And that's really what this chapter is all about. In Ephesians 4, it says, You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in futility of their mind, having their understanding, being alienated from the life of, of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Now it's interesting. that That's what leprosy did. It took your feeling away. It took the conviction away. And that's what sin does. It separates us from God. So leprosy, it starts small, it destroys the nerve endings, it has no cure, and eventually it brings on destruction. So let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 13. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at two different portions of this text. First of all, we're going to look at leprosy itself and, and uh, how it's dealt with when concerning people. And then finally it will be with leprosy and garments that it touches. So let's begin in verse 1 looking at the characteristics of leprosy. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priest. Now, I find this interesting right away. If you look at the word there, swelling, it means flesh arising. If there comes one whose flesh begins to rise up on his body, it begins to be abnormal, then you bring him to the priest that he might inspect him. What is the root of all sin? What is it? It's pride. What caused Adam and Eve to fall in the garden? You can be just like God, right? If you eat of this tree, God doesn't want you to eat of this tree because if you eat in that day, you'll be just like him. Oh, that sounds good. I want to be just like God. Why did Lucifer get thrown out of heaven? Pride. Why did why does virtually all of our sin is based on pride? Why do we lust? Why are we envious? Why are we jealous? Because it's all about me. And so it says when the when their flesh is rising up, that's a picture of leprosy. And to me, that's a picture of pride. When our flesh is rising up, we need to be brought before the great high priest that he might inspect us. It's interesting that the middle letter in both the word pride and the word sin is what? It's I. And you know, pride is all about me, and sin, it's all about me. And I get my eyes off of God, and I get my eyes on, on myself. And so, first of all, you see that the, the flesh is swelling up. And when the flesh is swelling up, bring him before the priest. Or if there is a scab. Now, what does a scab do? A scab covers a wound. It's covering a wound that needs to be healed. And it's interesting it covers over something that, that needs to be touched, needs to be sewn up, needs to be healed. And it says, so if the flesh is swelling up, or if there's a wound there that needs to be healed or needs to be touched, bring them to the priest. Isn't that a picture of what needs to happen to us? Who's the great high priest? Jesus Christ. And when our flesh is swelling up, when we're walking around living in pride, or when we're trying to cover over the wounds of life, where do we need to go? We need to come before the Lord because only He can touch us and transform our lives. It says also there, or a bright spot, illuminating of the flesh. It's interesting that we desire to feed and illuminate and, and, and project our flesh in a great 
in a, in a wonderful way. And it says, so if your flesh is rising up or if you're covering over a wound or if you're in a situation where you're trying to illuminate your flesh, then you need to come before the Lord. And you know, that's where we're brought. That's what sin is all about. It's all about us being separated from God because our eyes are off of Him. And these are all the beginning signs of leprosy. This is how it starts. This is it. Before they've got full-blown leprosy, they look down and they see a spot on their arm. And they have to go to the priest that he might inspect them. Now, why do you think that they look and see a spot on their arm? Why would it be important that they immediately go to the priest to find out if this is leprosy or not? It spreads big time. Leprosy was a death sentence. And so, if there was even a hint of a possibility that you might have leprosy, they wanted to make sure that you went and you were checked over. And if you didn't have it, great. But if you did, you were immediately banished and sent away. And we'll see that as we look at the text tonight. Verse 3. Then the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of his body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, or the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. Remember that chapters 11 through 15 are all about clean and unclean. Acceptable before God and unacceptable before God. And so we see here that what makes them unclean? It's not just a sore on the skin. Look what it says there in verse 3. It says that it grows deeper than the skin. You know what? For it to be sin, it had to originate deeper than the skin. You know what? Though we walk around in these tents, where does all sin originate? In your heart. Your sin originates deeper than your body, deeper than your hands, deeper than your eyes. People say, you know, you can, you can pluck someone's eyes out and they can still struggle with lust. You can cut someone's hand off and they can still struggle with the desire to, to steal. You can chain them down and it, you can take their body away, but the reality is as long as they've got a heart and the ability to think, they will still struggle. It's out of the overflowing of a man's heart that his mouth speaks. What's in your heart is who you really are. And so, you know, words don't slip out of your mouth, by the way. Oh, that slipped out. No, it didn't. Because it had to be in your heart before it ever got anywhere near your mouth. Amen? And so he's saying here, when, that, when they look at them and they examine, they say, you know what, it's not just something on the surface, but it's deeper than that. It's deeper than, there's, than that. That's when it's leprosy. That's when it's something that's going to bring forth death and destruction. It's not just something on the surface, but it's something deep within the heart of man. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is desperately wicked above all things. Again, not just the outer flesh rising up. The Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. This is why, you guys, 12-step programs won't work to make you a new creation in Christ. You cannot rehabilitate the spirit. You've got to have a regenerated spirit. Amen? You can't just do things better. You can't just take a scrub brush and clean off the outward skin. You can't just put on a, you know, paint the face. You've got to be, there's got to be a transformation from the inside out. The problem is that too often today the world says, well, I got to get better, then I can come to church. I've witnessed to people, well, as soon as I quit smoking, as soon as I quit drinking, as soon as I quit cussing, as soon as I, you know, quit gambling, as soon as I quit all my bad habits, then I'll come to church. Well, you'll never come. Because you need to be born again so that you might be transformed from the inside out. Amen? You know what? This is not a police station. It's a hospital. 
That's what the church is. It's not the place you bring, see your bat and you wail on people. It's a place where you come and you say, I'm sick and I'm in desperate need of a Savior. I need to be touched. I need my life to be transformed. It's regeneration from the inside out. And so he's looking and saying, hey, if it's deeper than the skin, that's leprosy. And it will destroy you left untreated. The flesh cannot be rehabilitated. Man needs to be regenerated. So the priest pronounces him unclean. And it's interesting, in these next three chapters, that word's going to be used 54 times. Look at verses 4 through 8. But if a bright spot is white on the skin of the body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair is not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has been sore seven day, has a sore for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was, and the sore is not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. Then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and indeed if the sore is faded, and the sore is not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he will wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at all spread over the skin, after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if, if the priest sees that the scab is indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. Now, interesting. Somebody comes and they look at, they examine their body and they say, okay, it does go deeper than your skin. We got to find out, or it's just on the surface. We got to find out if this is leprosy or not. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you in isolation for seven days. And it's interesting in the Bible how, how often seven comes up. You ever notice that? Because in the Bible, seven's the number of what? Number of completion or the number of perfection. And so for seven days, you're going to be there and they're going to be able to examine and see if that part of your body or part of your skin grows or spreads. And after seven days, you'd be brought before the priest again and he would examine you and he would look at you. Who's going to be the one that judges us in heaven for our sin? Who is it? Who does the Bible say is the judge? It's Jesus. Who paid the price for us? He's the only one that can judge. Amen? And so we're going to stand before the great high priest. And the good news is that we won't be judged for our sin if we have simply repented of our sin and let him pay the price. He's going to be the one that interceded on our behalf. He's the one whose blood was shed. He's the one who has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And so if there's no change after seven days, they wait for seven more days. Now again, that outward reflection, outward appearance reflects the heart. It's either going to produce righteous fruit or it's going to produce leprosy. When they see the leprosy, they realize that the man is, is got, it's unclean deeper than the skin. And man can pretend to be something for a while, but in the fullness of time, his true colors are going to come out. You, know, you can pretend to be a Christian for a little while. You can pretend to be a really holy person for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and for an hour and a half on Wednesday night. But if we really want to know how your walk is with the Lord, we just have to ask the people you live with. Amen? It's really easy to put the Christian face on and come to church and say, praise the Lord and have all the hallelujahs around and, you know, put the Christian fish on the back of your car. You know, I used to call them Christian posers, right? You know, you got, po- you got surf po- surfers who are posers or wannabes. They put a surf rack on their car and they throw a surfboard up there and they've never hit the water. And, and you know, they're wannabes. They put the stickers in the right spot and they got all the right things and the lingo. And, you know, they got a, they're driving a, a Volkswagen and, you know, they got the whole thing down and they look pretty good. But you put them on a surfboard out in the ocean, they got no idea what's going on. And there are Christian posers. 
who have the, the, the stickers on the back of their car and the Christian fish and the dove and wearing the Christian t-shirt and got all the Christian lingo down, but they don't know Jesus Christ. It's a religious country club. And this, this here, when you, they take them and they examine them and they put them in isolation for seven days, they're able to say, you know what? You have leprosy. You've got a sinfulness that's deeper than your skin. That, that, what you've got is going to destroy you, left unchecked. And you know what? When we examine our own hearts, when we look at our own hearts and our own lives, we will see who we really are deep down on the inside. Verse 9. It says, When the leprosor is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on his skin is white and has turned his hair white, and there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean. They shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. So they bring someone before the, before the priest, and if it's not just something on his skin, they look and it's very clear that his raw flesh is just showing. They don't have to isolate that guy. They already know where he's coming from. Dude, you got leprosy, man. You're done. You're banished. You're, you're no longer a part of society. You're going to be separated from this point forward. And it's interesting because sometimes there's those who just are posers and pretend to be walking with God. And if you watch them over time, you find out where their heart really is. And there's others that it's just painfully obvious. That, look, you know what, bro, you're, you're, you're way far away from God. Look at the way you live your life. Look at the words that come out of your mouth. Now here's the reality. Man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart, but he looks on our heart because he loves us and he desires to touch us and to transform us and to regenerate us and make us more like him. He's not a God who looks at us and says, oh, lost cause, forget it. Game over. Aren't you glad our, that's not our God? Amen? Aren't you glad you can't sin so much that God won't forgive you? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And so we see here that they bring him before the priest, and he looks down, if he sees the raw flesh, he says, oh. Now it's interesting to me. You don't know what's in a sponge until you squeeze it. You ever squeezed a sponge and gotten surprised, right? You know, when you squeeze a lemon, what do you get? You get lemon juice. And when you squeeze a Christian, you ought to get Christ-likeness. And when they looked at this in depth at these people, they looked in depth at someone brought before the priest, they could see what was really on the inside. And they could see that they were really rotten to the core. And you know what? We will, our true colors will show when trials come. Our true colors will show when times are difficult. It's easy to be the Christian on the cruise ship to heaven when everything's perfect. But how do we respond when things get difficult? And they bring him before the priest, and the priest would look at him and examine him. And he didn't have to even observe him because he knew just looking at him, you know what? I already know where you're coming from. You're, you're a leper. I don't even need to isolate you. I don't need to take time to look at you. I already know where you're coming from. So too is the hardened heart of one who has completely rejected God. He has no need for God. In his pride and arrogance, he puts his faith in himself. You've met people that you thought were Christians for a while, and then you get fooled, right? You ever met people like that? Then there's other people that don't even want to pretend like they know God. You ever met, you've met people like that. You start to share, man, I don't need that God stuff. You know, get, there's no doubt where they're coming from. And again, it's not my job to be the police to determine who's saved and who's not. But by your fruit they shall know you. And, and this, these ones that were brought before them where the leprosy was just apparent, it's like those today whose hearts are so hard toward God, they don't want anything to do with God, just leave me alone. Hey, we live in Santa Cruz. We all know people like that. Amen? This is you know, a place where the New Age movement is heavy. People are chanting to the moon god. You know, and they, they're into Buddhism and the New Age movement, all the other stuff that they're into, but not the true and the living God who suffered and died that they might have eternal life. 
They have no need of God in their mind. And that's what happens when he looks at those who, who are rotten to the core and he can see exactly where they're coming from. Verse 12 and 13. And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of one who has a sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider, and indeed if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean, who has the sore. It has all turned white. He is clean. Now what in the world is this? After understanding the word for leprosy here, isn't necessarily always translated for the kind of leprosy that is decaying. He's saying if it's only skin deep, all over the person's body, head to toe, it's saying that it's not going to get any worse than that and that that person is clean. But let me tell you what this is a picture of for me. When do you come to a place of repentance? What, what is it that brings you to repentance? What is it? A broken and contrite heart. What else? But what, makes, what breaks you? What makes you see your need for God? The realization that you are a sinner. And this person, it says, this person who is head to toe covered in leper. Is there any doubt, any person who looks at him can see that their skin is maligned from head to toe. That they're not perfect. That there's something wrong with them. They're in need of a healing touch. And it says, and that person is clean. I believe it's a picture of the fact that when we realize how desperately we need God, that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior, that's when we come before Him and cry out to Him. You know what? True repentance comes with weeping, not laughing. Amen? I've, I've, I've been blessed, and it has nothing to do with me, everything to do with God. I've been blessed to lead a, a lot of people to the Lord in the, in the years I've been doing ministry. But the ones that are sincere are usually come with a broken heart and usually it's something like this. Could God really forgive me? Do you think he could? Could he really? But you don't understand, Pastor, the things I've done. You don't understand the depravity of my sin. You don't understand the things I did in my past. God, you know, maybe he could forgive, you know, someone who grew up in a Christian home, but not me. I've done so many wicked things. That's repentance. When you realize the depravity of your own sin. You realize that you're covered head to toe and you're in desperate need of a cleansing touch that can only come from God. And he says when the priest looks at him and it's just skin deep but it's head to toe, he said that person is clean because it's not going to go any further than it once was but there's a desperate need that is there and I believe that's what it points to for each of us today. It's when you and I realize that we're totally depraved. Without conviction, there can be no conversion. Until see that you're a sinner, you'll see no need for a Savior. That's why, and you've heard me say this, guys, that's why it blows my mind that there are churches today that don't ever want to talk about sin. And then I talk to some of these pastors, and they say, yeah, well, I've been there eight years, and we've had five people get saved. I'm like, I'm surprised anybody got saved if you don't ever talk about sin. Amen? You know what the reality is? Again, we need to be taught about the love of God and the grace of God. We also need to be taught about the sinfulness of man. Amen? Why, do, why would we be desperate for God if we didn't realize we were sinners in need of a Savior? Without conviction, there can be no conversion. And so when a person would look and they're covered head to toe, when you and I realize that we are sinners, that's the first thing you've got to get somebody to. If you witness to somebody until they, they realize that they're a sinner, they will see no need for a Savior. And you know, it's also true, you can have confession without repentance. There are people that can confess all kinds of things. But repentance, what does it mean? What does repent mean? To what? To, to turn around. 
It means that I'm going this way and this is how I live my life and I'm now, I've given my life to Jesus Christ and now I'm going this way. I'm not the person I used to be anymore. I don't do the same things I used to do anymore. I don't hunger for the things I used to hunger for anymore. My whole life has changed. My passions have changed. My eyes, my heart, my focus and everything is now on the Lord. That's repentance. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry and then living my life the same old way. That's not repentance. Repentance is being broken over my sin to the point of saying, Lord, help me, and then turning away from it and walking in the opposite direction. Verse 14 and 15. But when the raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. So if a person is covered, he says, he's clean as long as the raw flesh does not appear. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. The flesh, when it erupts into leprosy, the raw flesh is deep down, and it's the habitual practice of sin. It's when you dwell in your sin. You know, the Bible says that a man cannot continue in sin and be saved, and then we say, wait a minute, Pastor Day, I'm in trouble then, because how many of you guys sin today? All right, well, guess, oh man, we're in trouble, right? Because it says we cannot continue in sin and be saved. The word there for sin, though, is the word, it's talking about habitual and what it's talking about is sin to where I'm not convicted. Here's an analogy I love. I used to use this in youth group. If a sheep falls into a mud puddle, it doesn't like it. It wants to get out. If a pig falls into a mud puddle, it wants to camp out there for the next six months, right? As Christians, when we sin, we are grieved by our sin. Amen? I've had people say to me, you know, but Pastor Dave, I still struggle with so many things. Am I really saved? And my response is always this, are you grieved by your sin? When you sin, does it break your heart? Does it bring you to the point of weeping at times? Does it drive you to your knees asking God to forgive you and restore right fellowship with Him? You're already born again, you're going to heaven, you're a new creation in Christ, but when we sin, there still needs to be that heart of repentance. If the Holy Spirit's living inside of me, when I sin, guess who I'm taking with me when I sin? Amen? Okay, Lord, come on with me. I'm going to go sin now. Why don't you come on? Let's go. And that's what we're doing. But when we sin, it grieves us. Amen? That's the sign of someone who's been born again. A sheep falls in the mud. Get me out of here. Get this off of me. Right? It's shaking like that dog that gets wet. Right? You know? Shake this stuff off of me. A pig's in there going, oh, this is good. Right? I was going to stay here. Throw some more mud on my belly right about now. Right? And that's how the world is. We should... Flee from sin while the world runs to it. And that's the difference. And the leprosy, when it's raw in the flesh, he's saying, look, this heart is hard. They love to sin, and it's obvious where you're at. Your heart is hardened toward God. The the sin has overtaken your life. You're wallowing in the mud, verse 16. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the sore is turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, who has the sore, he is clean. Raw flesh upon cleansing turns white. I find that interesting. So too, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and repentant heart, can the most wicked and corrupt of men and women be made white as snow. Amen? We were depraved in our sinfulness and in our flesh, doing nothing but feeding our flesh, desiring to do nothing but have our flesh satisfied, which it never will be, by the way, because the Bible says so. And then we come to a point where we realize our need for a Savior, and we can be touched and be made white as snow. So it's interesting here that if the sword develops, it says if it becomes white, then he is clean. And the same is true of you and I. 
If your heart has been cleansed by the blood of Christ, you, are be, you have been made clean before God. Verses 18 through 23. I know a lot of verses tonight, so we're just, bear with me. Verse 18. If the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish white, then it shall be shown to the priest. And if when the priest sees it, it indeed appears deeper than the skin, and its hair is turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore which is broken out of the boil. Verse 21. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in it, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and does not spread, and the, it is a, the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Now it's interesting. It's the same thing that we saw previously. If it's deeper than the skin and it's spreading, it's leprosy. If it's only on the surface, it's not. I think that's the difference between those of us who've been born again and those who haven't. If you've been born again when you sin, it's on the surface and you're saying, Lord, forgive me, and he wipes it right away. Where others just live in it, it becomes habitual, it eats away at their life. That's what he says. So if it's deeper than the skin, if it's in their heart, if it's what they strive for, then they are, they are caught up in, they are lepers, or caught up in habitual sin in today's term. If it spreads, if it grows habitually, uh, habitually, if you're wallowing in the mud, then it's leprosy. If it does not spread, if it's sin that is dealt with, he shall be clean. You know what? I believe this. And if you don't listen to anything else I say tonight, you want to know how you know how spiritually mature you are? This is what I believe is an accurate statement. I know it is in my life. The more you grow in your walk with God, the less time it will be from the time you sin until the time you repent. It won't be days or weeks or months. It'll go to be hours, and then it will be minutes, and then it will be seconds. The more you mature in your walk with the Lord, the more grieved you're going to be that you spend 10 seconds separated from Him because of your sin. Now, again, you're still His child. You're still adopted into His family, but you break fellowship with Him. I've used the analogy before. We have some new folks here, but the analogy I always use is, you know, I've got four children. If one of my kids you know, reaches over and smacks the other one in the forehead at the dinner table. They're going to get the Board of Education is going to come out, right? And they're going to get a swat. But they're going to be sent probably to their room. And if they're in their room, is he still my son? Yes. Do I still love him? Yes. Still part of my family? Yes. Still going to get all the inheritance that's coming to him? Yes. Has he broken fellowship with his dad because of his sin? Yes. As Christians, when we sin and we don't repent and confess our sin, we don't desire to walk in holiness, that's what we're doing. How many of you have ever, as Christians, have not felt as close to God as you want to be? Do you know what I'm talking about? How does that happen? We don't confess. We don't have a heart when we sin to come before the Lord and say, forgive me. The more you mature, the shorter amount of time will be from the time you sin till the time you confess it and say, Lord, please forgive me. That's why it's so important to have, if you have daily devotions, guys, the longest it can go between confessions is one day. Amen? If you're opening the Bible every morning and you're praying every morning and you're spending time in His presence every single day, it's funny, John Corson down at the pastor's conference, he's talking to 1,200 senior pastors. You know what he made us repeat about 12 times? 
read your Bible and pray every day. And he made us all say, we're like, duh, we're like pastors, hello. But he kept saying, read your Bible and pray every day. And you know what, I want to encourage you with something. Read your Bible and pray every day. Amen? Keep short accounts with God. Don't let that leprosy infest your body. Don't let it become raw flesh. Don't let it become habitual sin. Don't let it become something that now that rules your life instead of following the Lord. Don't get so far away from God you can't hear His voice anymore. How many of you have been so close to God that you can hear Him whisper? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, Lord. I'm right here. Right? I want you to go talk to that guy about me. Okay, all right. That one? Oh, I'm going, right? Then there's times that your walk is suffering. He's like, Dave! And I'm just... Right? Dave, go talk to that guy. What? Hey, I'm watching something. I'm doing this over here. Don't interrupt me, Lord. I'm, I'm busy right now. And you know, that happens when we don't keep those short accounts. We don't spend time daily in his presence. Man, I want to be so close to him that I can hear that. Yes, Lord. That's what I want to be. How about you? Amen? And that's going to happen when we keep those short accounts with him. Don't let our sin begin to infest and rot our flesh. Don't let it become to the point where it becomes something that we follow after and we can't hear God anymore. And that's what we see with this leprosy. It's heavy duty and it will wipe people out. Verse 24. Or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire and raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish, white, or white, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot is turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprosy. Broken out in the burn. Therefore the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. And after isolating him for seven days, so that every time you see this isolation, and watching, and seeing how this, if, if this continues to spread, or if it goes away. And the same is true with us. Do we let our sin continue to, to guide us? Do we continue to walk in our sin? Or do we repent from it? What's the difference between Saul and David? Saul, a, God, a man that the Bible says that, that God regretted making him king over Israel. Regretted making him king. His kingdom was ripped from him. Now Saul had, was a very prideful man. But David... The Bible says was a man after God's own heart, but David was an adulterer who had Bathsheba's wife killed so he could cover his adultery and have the baby and steal the man's wife. That's pretty heavy. So how come David's a man after God's own heart, and the Bible says God regretted making Saul king and tore the kingdom from him? What's the difference between David and Saul? David repented. That's the difference. We're all sinners. The difference is, do we keep short accounts with God? Are we driven to our knees by our sin? Do we wallow in the mud or are are we trying to get out of it when we sin? Do we flee from it or do we live in it? And so this is what's really this leprosy is talking about is those that are are just going deeper and deeper and before you know it, it's spreading and before you know it, it brings forth death. And it's interesting here that it says that that this uh, leprosy can come in a burn. And I think that's really interesting because the Bible talks about fiery trials, doesn't it? When we go through fiery trials and difficulties, you know, we, we sing songs about the refiner's fire, right? Trials and difficulties can either refine us and melt the dross away and conform us more into God's image, or we can run away from the Lord. When you go through difficulty, do you run to the Lord or do you run from Him? 
We've had some heavy stuff happen in our church recently, and people gone through difficulties. I've seen some people run to the Lord and press into the kingdom, and I've seen other people run away from God and blame Him because things have gotten difficult in their life. And that's what this is all. He said, hey, when that, when that burn comes, when that fiery trial comes, when those difficulties of life, what, how do you respond? Do you deepen your faith in God, or do you blame God? Does leprosy grow out of it, or is a place, are you brought to your knees and seeking after Him? Verse 28. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread on the skin but has faded, it is a swelling from a burn. The priest shall pronounce him clean for the scars from the burn. Verse 29. If a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, now this is getting personal, then the priest shall examine the sore, and indeed if it appears deeper than the skin, and there, there is in it thin yellow hair, I, I take some thin yellow hair, that's hair, right? Then the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is it is scaly leprosy on the head or the beard. So if you had leprosy, you didn't have any hair. That's what happened. Your hair fell out. I mean, your thumbs are falling off. It makes sense that your hair would fall out, right? So leprosy was heavy. I mean, your thumbs are falling off. Your nose is falling off. You're decaying. You're unclean. We're going to see how heavy this would become on people. And they would be brought forward, and the priest would examine them, and he'd say, hey, if, you, if your head's covered in sores, and they would examine your head, then they would say, you know what, you got leprosy. But if the priest examines them, it says there in verse 31, indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin, there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate him for seven days. Again, watch him and see. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if the scale is not spread and there is no yellow hair in it, the scale does not appear deeper than the skin. He shall shave himself, but the scale he shall not shave. And the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. So every single time someone comes in and there's a, a suspicion of leprosy, what do they do? They isolate them. They take them away that they might not infect other people. Isn't that interesting? When somebody is suspected of having leprosy, that will bring forth uh, disease and then decay and eventually death. They take that person away from society and they isolate them to make sure they don't infect anybody else. And you know what we do in society? We say, hey man, I want to be like that guy. We, we, bad company corrupts good morals. We look around at the guy with the, the, the thumbs falling off and we want to be just like him. And the world says, let me be like him. Instead of being isolated from them, we try to conform to them. And he's saying, look, you isolate those who are caught up in sin. But it's interesting to me that doesn't sin do that? It isolates us from God, but it also isolates us from family. It isolates us from friends. Hey, when you're walking in habitual sin, what does it do to your marriage? What is, it destroys it. What does it do to your relationship with your kids? What does it do to your, your opportunity to witness to other people? It destroys it. And right here he's saying, look, if you're covered head to toe in sores, you're going to be isolated. You're going to be set apart. We're going to see here in a minute that when it's full-blown leprosy, that it gets a lot worse than that. We cannot rid ourselves of corruption and the eventual destruction apart from the healing touch of our Savior. And this leprosy will bring about that destruction. We need a repentant and a cleansed heart that will keep sin from taking root and from spreading and growing in our lives. Now it says there in verse 34, On the seventh day the priest shall examine the scale, and indeed if the scale is not spread over the skin, and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. But the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing. Then the priest shall examine him. 
And indeed, if the scale has spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. He's unclean. If it's spreading, he's unclean. If it's getting worse, it's unclean. It's interesting that these verses from verse 29 to 37, he examines them four times. They're always brought before the priest. The priest looks and sees if that, if that scaly part of his body continues to grow or not. You know what? As sinners, we sin more and more, not less and less. If you don't know Christ, you're not going to get better. You're just going to get worse. Because without him, we can do nothing, the Bible says. If we try to do things in our own efforts, it will come to absolutely nothing. Verse 37. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there is black hair grown up in it, the scale is healed, he is clean, the priest shall pronounce him clean. Verse 38. If a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the body, specifically white bright spots, and the priest shall look, and indeed if the bright spots in the skin of the body are dull white, it is a white spot that grows on the skin, he is clean. You know what he's talking about here? You got freckles, it's not leprosy. They want to make it really clear. Can you imagine in the days of leprosy, can you imagine if there was leprosy today like it was in biblical times, and if you got leprosy, it was just basically a death sentence, and it was also the most excruciatingly painful death you could have. So you'd probably see somebody, you know, scratching a freckle on their arm. Dude, what's that? Oh, dude, go to the priest. Get over there, man, and don't talk. You're going to be in isolation for at least two seven-day periods. I ain't talking to you, man. I mean, so what he's trying to say is, look, don't, don't look at the, the, the freckles on their arm. This is instruction for the time, these guys in the time of, of Leviticus to say, look, the freckles on their arm is not leprosy. Now, go, now look what's next. This is actually an encouragement to me. Look at these next two verses. It says there, and as for a man whose hair has fallen out of his head, he is bald, okay, but he is clean. Oh, that's good. Praise the Lord. I like that. Those of you guys, those of us in here with a little less, you know, we've got a five head or a six head or seven head now instead of a four head. The good news is that baldness is okay. It's not necessarily a sign of habitual sin. Praise God. Now, when you had leprosy, your hair fell out, but because your hair fell out, it didn't mean you had leprosy. And so these are just instructions to the guys that say, you know, can you imagine if, oh, dude, your hair's falling out. Oh, right? I mean, people are backing up. You got freckles and your hair's falling out. I got nothing to do with you anymore. And so these are just instructions to say, you need to take them before the priest, have the priest examine them to find out if this is leprosy or not. You know what? That's what has to happen with all of us. We need to come before the great high priest. He's the one who examines us. He's the one who looks and sees to the depths of our hearts and knows really where we're coming from. Verse 42. And if there is on the bald head or bald forehead a reddish-white sore, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or on his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the swelling or sore is reddish and white on his bald head, on his bald forehead, as an appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore is on his head. Now, I find it interesting that it says, and I, went, I spent some time looking this up, the plague was on his head. The leprous sore was on his head. And to me, this is a, is a type or a picture of sins that are on our minds. You know, there are people that are drawn away by their own intellect. Doesn't the Bible say that? Have you ever met people, I'm so smart, I don't need God. My God is my brain. Your God is pretty small then, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, my, I, I'm so smart, I don't need God. It's a crutch for stupid people, right? You know what? God's not a crutch, he's a stretcher, because I could not limp into heaven without Jesus Christ. Amen? He, I need to be laid out completely, and he needs to carry me in completely. 
But you know what? We don't check our brains at the door when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not Christians in spite of the evidence. That would be superstition. You know what? You can look at scientifically. You can look at archaeologically. You can look at historically. You can look at any way you want to. And it all proves, once again, that the Bible's right. The scientists keep changing their mind. What is that called, anyway? They keep changing their mind. You know, the, the theory of evolution has changed about eight times since I was a kid. Right? They keep changing it. But you know what? I love the Bible's always true. The Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can trust Him. We can trust His Word. Anybody given you any new appendixes to the Bible lately? Anybody showed up at church and said, Oh, we found some. Here, oh, here's the new stuff. No, the Bible is the same. You got the Dead Sea Scrolls from over two, almost 2,000 years ago. It's the same as the Bible you've got in your hand right here. Everybody else changes. God's Word doesn't. We can trust this. But I thought about the sores on His head. It's those who are trusting in their own intellect. Their own, you know... I'm so smart, so smart that you don't think you need God. I can't think of a more foolish statement in the world than thinking you're so smart that you don't need God. I love it when they say, you know how smart we are? We've got a satellite up in the sky that now measures. You know, have you looked out at the stars lately? Got any stars up in the sky? How about some galaxies, right? By the way, how many guys have risen from the dead on the third day? Oh, okay, I didn't think so. So to me, you know, that's what I want to see. That's the God that we serve. And people are drawn away by their own intellect. We're almost done. Verse 45. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days. He has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. So not only did you die a painful and horrendous death, but you were sent away. You could never be around your family anymore. You could not fellowship in the temple anymore. You could not be near any other people unless you lived in a leper colony. So you're walking around. Your body's decaying right before your eyes. And as you're walking, if somebody comes within 100 yards of you that does not have leprosy, you were to cover your face and you were to cry out, Unclean! What kind of life would that be? Everywhere you went, unclean. You watched your body decay. You were just waiting to die, and it was horrendous and painful. You know what's scary to me? Is sin does the same thing. It isolates people again here and now from God, but it will isolate people for eternity from Almighty God. People that think that they're going to go to hell and be playing poker with their buddies for the next thousand years need to find out that when you get to hell, you're going to be all by yourself. Nobody's hanging out with anybody in hell. They're going to be alone. The Bible says it's going to be hot. Have you ever heard that about hell? It's going to be hot. I had one kid tell me one time I was witnessing down in Southern California. I had this big guy with me that was pretty bold. And we were sharing with this guy about the Lord. And the guy said, well, I ain't afraid of hell. I don't care. I ain't afraid of it. It doesn't scare me. So this guy that I know, a huge guy named Scott, grabbed the guy's wrist and held his hand in, in place and pulled out his lighter and started putting it under his hand. And held it there. And you could start smelling his skin. Started, ooh. Like a barbecue, right? Kids had the guy's going, ah, you know, and he's going, I didn't think you were afraid of hell. You're, you're oh, but yeah, but my, oh, guess what, bro? Head to toe, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be hot and it's going to be dark, and you're going to be by yourself and you're going to be separated from God. And we know from the story of Lazarus and the rich man that you're going to have total memory in hell. People are going to be in hell and they're going to be thinking for eternity about all the opportunities they had to come to know Christ. Every opportunity that they rejected him. Every chance they had to know him and how they w were drawn away by their own pride and drawn away by their own will and by their own passion. And this leprosy 
And this isolation and this separation is a picture of what sin does to us left unchecked. If we do not come before God and ask God to cleanse us from our sin, we're going to end up like these lepers. We're going to end up separated from God in a place of torment and suffering and pain that we have chosen. God doesn't send us to hell. We choose to go there. Amen? You have to go over the cross of Christ to get to hell. You have to say, no, Jesus, I don't want you. No, I, you know, I, don't, I don't need it. No, I'm, I'm really smart. My brain's my God. You know, I'm worshiping the trees, or you know, I'm chanting to the moon God, or I'm, I'm trying to get my chi out, or whatever God that you're serving this week, right? And the reality is that you say no to the cross, and 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 eventually the Lord will give you what you've asked for. He will eventually say, okay. He's a loving God, he's a gracious God, but he will never force you to love him. He will never force himself upon you. At some point, you will either accept him or you will reject him. And the Bible says that there's no such thing as being kind of saved. Amen? It's like being kind of pregnant, right? I mean, you're either you are or you're not. Either you've been born again or you haven't. Either you're a new creation in Christ or you're still dead in your trespasses and sins. You're like this leprous person whose body is decaying. You're separated from God. You're headed to separation from Him in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and torment for all eternity. Or you're a new creation in Him. And you've been made clean through His shed blood. And you've been regenerated. And you're walking in the fullness of the Spirit of the living God. And you've got the promise of heaven. Those are pretty diametrically opposed futures. Amen? either headed to separation or headed to... And they wonder, why. well, man, Pastor Dave, you guys are so radical. You know, do you have to be so dogmatic about... Yeah, yes. People are going to hell without Christ. Do we care about them? If we do, we need to be a little more vocal about the truth, amen? Not be undercover Christians. Hey, I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. It's in my wallet. I got a date on it. Remember, since 1968, I'm good to go, right? I mean, you can do that, and you got your get-out-of-hell-free card, and you can know your name's written in Lamb's Book of Life, and too bad for everybody else. But that's not what God wants us to be like, amen? He, he died for us. He saved us that he might use us for his glory. It breaks my heart when I think about people that are going to spend eternity separated from God. Every Christian this side of heaven should have a burden for every unbeliever this side of hell. Amen? And we need to have a passion and a burden for the lost. Somebody told me I was an evangelist once. I guess it's probably true. But here's the reality. Sin produces loneliness here and now, and then it produces a separation for God for all eternity. And again, hell is not a place you'll be hanging out with your friends Hell is going to be a place of separation from God. I know I've gone over. Let's just finish up. Verse 47. Also, if a garment has leprous plague in it, whether it's woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it's in the warp or the woof. I had to look those words up, by the way. I didn't know what they meant. The, the, a woof is like a mixture of cloth, and a warp is like a, something that you would use to weave. It says, in the linen of the wool, whether in leather or in any th- other thing made of leather, and if the plague is greenish or reddish, in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or in the wolf, and anything made of leather in the leprous plague shall be shown to the priest. So the plague not only could be transmitted person to person, but it could be on your clothing. And it's interesting today that how you have mold and things like that that are just that attached to everything, and that's what leprosy was very much like. 
It says, the priest shall examine the plague and isolate that which is, has the plague for seven days. So they'll look at the clothing, they'll set it apart, and they'll see if it grows. Verse 51, he shall examine the plague on the seventh day, and if the plague is spread in the garment, either in the warp or the woof, in the leather or anything made of leather, the plague is an active leprosy, it is unclean. What does he do to an active leprosy? I want you to see this. We're almost done. Look at verse 52. He shall therefore what? Burn that garment. What happens to an active leprosy? It is burnt. What happens to a leprosy? What happens to a life where sin is taken over and sin is in control and there's been no redemption and there's been no repentance and there's been no forgiveness? What happens? The same thing that happens to these garments that are covered in leprosy. They're good for nothing but the fire. And so true it is with, with lives that are, are, uh, ran, are run over by sin. That garment in which is the plague, whether wolf or wharf, in wool or in linen, or anything leather, for it is an active leprosy, the garment shall be burned in the fire. Verse 53. But if the priest examines it, and indeed the plague is not spread in the garment, either on the warp or the woof, or anything made of leather, then the priest shall command that they, what do they do with this one, if it doesn't spread? What do they do with it? They wash it. If the leprosy is spreading and taking charge and is in control, they burn it. If the leprosy is there, but it's not spreading, they wash it and they cleanse it. That's the picture of those who've given their life to Christ and those who haven't. When we sin, praise God, our sin's been paid for. Amen? And it's washed away and we're made white as snow. But those where sin has run rampant and sin is ruling and reigning in their life, then that gar- that it's going to end in one place. Separation from God, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me just read the rest of this and make a comment and we're done. Then the priest shall examine the plague after it has been washed, and indeed the plague has not changed its color, though the plague has not spread. This is verse 55. It is unclean. He shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away, whether the damage is outside or inside. So whether it's on the inside of the garment or the outside of the garment. If the priest examines it, and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or the woof or out of the leather. It's interesting that when he examines it, he rips it away. He tears it away from the garment. And, that, and, and so that it might not have an impact on all that it touches. He tears it away. So too, you and I are washed in the Word. We too should remove those tainted patches of garments in our lives. We've been washed and cleansed by the Word that God should be transforming us. Verse 57. But if it appears again in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or in anything made of leather, it is spreading plague. You shall burn it with fire, that in which is the plague. And if you wash the garment either warp or wolf, or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time, and it shall be clean. I thank God that, that our cleansing doesn't come from our good works. I thank God that our cleansing comes from His good work. Amen? I thank God that there's not 75 rules to heaven. I thank God that we don't have to crawl on our knees on broken glass to Mecca to prove to God that we love Him. All we have to simply do is say yes to this love letter right here. Amen? He says, this is how much I love you. He died for us. He paid the price for us. And he wants to cleanse us of our sin. Don't hold on to your leprosy, you guys. It will destroy you. If you're a Christian and you've been struggling with sin in your life, ask God to forgive you and keep short accounts with him. Don't leave this building tonight without dealing with some sin in your life that needs to be confessed before him. Say, Lord, forgive me. Restore me to right relationship with you. And if you're here tonight and you don't know God, and basically you are a leper and it's eating away at your flesh completely, 
and you're dead in your trespasses and sins, and your future is not very bright. Here's the good news. The good news is, the Bible says in Romans 10:9, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. It's a pretty simple verse, isn't it? Salvation is a pretty simple gift to accept. He did it all. He paid the price. You just accept it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, even for this example of leprosy and, and sin. And Lord, we thank you that it's not our good works that cleanse us, but Lord, the work that you did for us on the cross. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here tonight that doesn't know you, the Father God that's uh, is bound in this leprosy, that is eating away at their bodies, Father God, and is leading to separation from you. I pray, Lord, that tonight would be the, the night of salvation. The Lord, they would see their need for you as Lord and Savior. They would say, I want to be made clean. Lord, I know I can't do it. I can't put on cleaner garments. I can't try harder. Lord, I just need to come before you and confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe that you'll forgive me. Lord, I just pray for anybody here tonight, if that's the case. And just real quickly, with every head bowed, if you know the Lord, just be praying for those here who don't. In a room this size, there's bound to be a few people that don't know the Lord. If you're here tonight, and maybe a friend invited you, or maybe you've been going to church for a while, but you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. All you're doing, just raise, I want you to just do this in just a second. I want you to raise your hand and just say, yes, I know I'm a sinner, and I want to walk out of here knowing that I'm a new creation in Christ. And I'm going to pray a real simple prayer with you. You can know for sure your sin's been forgiven. You can know for sure you're going to heaven. The Spirit of the living God will come to live inside of you. Is there even one person here at all? Just raise your hand, and I will pray with you. Is there anybody? The Lord loves you guys. He brought you here by divine appointment. Is there anybody at all? Lord, we just do again, we thank you, Lord. And I pray for also all of us that, that know you, that, Father God, that when we sin, that, Lord, we would be driven to our knees. Father, that we would not continue in sin, but, Lord, that we would flee from it. Just fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to, to love people the way that you love them. Help us, Lord, to serve people the way you would want us to serve them. Help us, Father God, to have a burden for the lost the way that you do, Lord. We just thank you and we praise you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand up and close the worship song.